you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Guardian. Guardian. And welcome to the 69th episode of In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons podcast dedicated to Destiny and to you, the Destiny community. Wherever you are and whenever you're listening to our show, we thank you as always for making this show a part of your Destiny experience. My name is Jorge, and on today's show, we have Carmine. Say hi, Carmine. Hello, everyone. Really excited to be here. I'm glad that you're here on the show. He's a great friend of mine. And before we even get to talk about Carmine, I just want to make sure that all of you out there are checking out all the other killer podcasts available here on the Mashos Buttons Network at www.mashosbuttons.com. Get involved with us in InOrbit by sending us questions to inorbitpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at inorbitpodcast. On today's show, we're going to be going over Destiny 2, a little bit more theory crafting. But I want to get it from a perspective from a gamer who may not be as invested as I am. I want to get another person's thought process on this game. And they're, they're really deep thoughts on this game. We'll also go over the TWAB quickly and any other minor news. There's not much this week. Basically, everything was revealed last week. And we're kind of on autopilot until E3. But before we get started, Carmine, go ahead and tell the people about yourself. Well, I'm Carmine. Uh, I've been playing Destiny since the alpha. Uh, love the game. Been playing a long time. Uh, part of the Fireteam chat community uh, on Facebook, which I actually founded, created, and uh, built up with my help of all the admins on the page, which is actually how I came to meet you, Jorge, and the w- which was originally Technodrome. Um, and we kind of moved on from 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 there, but um, currently today for about last six to eight months, um, been working on some YouTube um, content, not just for Destiny, but uh, general gaming, uh, Nintendo, Xbox, uh, PlayStation, a wide variety. We just we actually just discuss different topics every single week on our own podcast. Um, our podcast is the Cartridge Blast Gamers Podcast, and it's something where we look at pretty much three topics every single week: the ones that we feel are the uh, most important, and the one that brings out the or, or I'm sorry, the ones that bring out the most conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, so that's pretty much where I'm at right now. We uh we did do a conversation a conversational topic for the Destiny the Destiny 2 reveal 
and uh, it's up on YouTube. You can check it out on the uh, Cartridge Blast Gamers um, page. And yeah, you can look at kind of my responses to what I saw, but I feel like just talking with you, Jorge, we kind of were excited, but very skeptical at the same time once the first mm-hmm. reveal came out. Um, so I just wanted to kind of know where are you kind of at right now? Are you starting to get a little bit more excited now that we have more information or is it something where you're still kind of hesitant? So, I mean, in terms of destiny content, I'm always going to be excited. I think this game is fantastic, at least from what I've experienced with destiny one. I think it's an absolute fantastic game that because of the limitations of the community within Destiny 1, the actual game, it kind of forced us to be more involved and, and, and find other ways, other tools to get involved with the game. So I think that that's one big thing that is going to be tough to replicate in Destiny 2. Um, just the amount of world, uh, just world building outside of the game. Um, for example, I, I know that you... When you founded uh, Fireteam Chat Community on Facebook, you know a lot of people use that to hook up with other players around the world to get to do the raids for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Um, now with um, the, the the new LFG system that it's not a full LFG, but uh, the, the new system that Bungie put in guided games. Uh, this is going to be it's going to be a lot more different for these solo players and and. I see this as both a good thing and a bad thing. And I know people are like, how can you possibly see this as a bad thing? Because we were forced to kind of make our own communities and take ownership of creating LFG. Yeah. We got more invested in this game. When Mm -hmm. I, I find it that when we're more invested in putting our groups together, we care more about the game. And my concern is... And and it's it's weird to have this kind of concern, but my concern always will be how is the community going to come together when it comes to Destiny Two? Because a lot of people are going to be like, oh well, I could just get somebody do something real quick with this group, and then I'm I'm going to leave and, and go offline. Yeah, that is a really interesting outlook because if you look at kind of you know what you've created um, from from different clans, the community that you play with, that I play with now, you know, it's something interesting to look at in a sense of would we have met and been playing this game or, or anybody been playing with with each other if we didn't have to go out there and find people? If it was just mm-hmm. kind of given to us, would we have built that kind of relationship where it is something that we depend on one another to go in and do events every single week? Um, right. So the, the question would have been, you know, would I have actually created FTC and found the mods and, and built the group up and try to get people into raids and different events and, you know, everything that you've done and all the sherping that you've done would that have been a thing if we didn't if we had guided games when destiny one came out so i think it's very very intriguing to think about what that kind of means for destiny two and going forward and whether or Mm -hmm. not 
this this community is going to get bigger or just kind of handed to you in the sense of they're going to find teams for you. Yeah, I mean, it's a def- it's definitely an interesting predicament because you definitely want some sort of LFG. You, you okay? How do I want to put? This? <laughs> I, have to, I have to slow down. Um, I definitely want everybody out there, not just the people who listen, the hardcore, um, the people who kind of pass over our podcast, people who don't even know about our podcast, just people who are out there who pick up the game for the first time. I am always going to be defending their ability to at least attempt to do things. Yeah. But I'm just thinking like, to put it in a different perspective, this October, I'm going to be going to Nebraska to visit a friend for the very first time for his, for his wedding. Mm-hmm. His name is Nick. Yep. Nick, hey, I'm, I don't know if you're listening or not, but hey. Shout um, out to Nick. But, <laughs> but like, I'm thinking, it's like, I never would have talked with Nick or never would have played with Nick or even have gone to his wedding. He wouldn't have even known who I am mm-hmm. had it not been for the, the, the brief moment that we had through an LFG site. And the reason that LFG site was created was because there wasn't Bungie didn't have their own in-game LFG. Mm-hmm. So we met that one time. We had a blast. We added each other on the friends uh, on our friends list. I, I joined their clan. Then they joined my clan when that clan disbanded or whatever. And like it just it, we built up a relationship just be, from that initial experience from that LFG site. Now we can definitely. There's always a chance to have a similar experience from these guided games. I mean, I'm hoping, I think Bungie's hoping for a similar experience. They want that that experience that we went through. Yeah. But I, I, I always think, like, if everything was automatic in the game, would we possibly have ever met up? And and I, I honestly believe maybe not. Maybe I wouldn't have become a Sherpa. Maybe I would have been happy... You know, being dragged through the raid. Or Maybe I, I, I hanging on to like a group of ten or twelve people that you kind of consistently play with. Yeah. So it's an again, we're not saying that we don't want LFG. It's just an interesting way to look at things with regards to the game. Um, just the the smallest things that we take for granted, like the the L the Destiny LFG dot com or dot net, whichever one you choose. The Planet Destiny website, the Fireteam Chat podcast, fan page on on Facebook, all these different things that we take advantage of. Would we have built up these things if there was more involvement from Bungie with regards to these websites? Like, let's say they created their own Facebook group and they created an in-game LFG. Like, most likely a lot of people that we know that we met up with throughout these three years probably would not have been there i mean it's it's weird to think like how much you and i and and our friend justin david kevin. not the david that hosts the show but yeah. kevin the, the uh, my david, david as we call it yeah i, I probably <laughs> never would have met david the, the the our co-host on the show or jordan my my other co-host on the show had it not been for these websites yeah. and and would these websites have existed if bungie created their own external thing probably not it's it's an it's a weird dichotomy that we're in like we we love to be able to to access this content in game but it's it's weird to know that we probably never would have you know even 
gotten this close had it not been for for the inability, quote unquote, of Bungie to do such things. The shocking element of it is too is that in this day and age with video games, I feel like a lot of people have kind of always fallen back on like the hand holding of a community or or playing game or matchmaking and that sort of a thing. And when mm-hmm. you look at all the pages that have been created or LFG or the hundred IO, people had to go out and seek that mm-hmm. where in other games, it's interesting to think about would, would any other game have actually held our attention enough to actually want to go and experience the full experience of destiny. Mm-hmm. So it's just really, really, really interesting looking at this this time. And I feel like it's kind of a lull between Destiny 1 and Destiny 2 and kind of reflecting on what the last three years mean. It's very, very easy. And I feel 100% um, at ease saying this, that this game in this community is really like un- unlike anything that we've seen um from a gaming perspective or entertainment potentially and it's been quite a ride i mean i the only thing i can even think of that would approach this level of camaraderie that we've had is possibly world of warcraft yeah i mean it's it's i've seen it firsthand um my friend ray she moved to um to uh, minnesota but she had her own guild where, and she was on all the time. But she was talking to people all around the world. They formed relationships. Uh, and I think she actually married somebody from her guild. <laughs> so, like, in many ways, I see a lot of that same community building that these people from World of Warcraft had with regards to Destiny. And I'm just going to be interested to see how the community reacts to the game itself, um, not so much the content in the game, because for the most part, kind of going back to what we were talking about, how how I feel about Destiny 2, it's going to be very tough to capture the magic that was Destiny. And it's weird to think that it had magic, considering at the beginning, what story are we talking about? Yeah, it's, you know, I was just like, going to say, like, there. the amount of complaints that kind of built up now and we joke and we laugh about you look back and it's like what were we doing like why Mm -hmm. were we bashing our head against the wall trying to get ascendant shards or energy to get the max level (laughs) and that being really the only path but i think we did it so much just because it was so entertaining yeah i mean just just going into a raid and just like all the different cheeses and stuff that were involved in that raid, but but we had so much fun, like going with different people and and just seeing these different things for the for the first time or the first few times anyway, and just you know kind of laughing at blowing myself up with a Gallarhorn rocket <laughs> or getting After destroyed by by some random hobgoblin on on some random island in the Vault of Glass. Templar well and you can't do anything about it and just like oh my god like again like at a certain point when you're doing it again and again and again and then you finally complete that mini puzzle to get to the next step 
like they, like you kind of grow as a team like you, you get you, you, you there's a it's a weird feeling that you have yeah like you start be, trusting these these teammates not just in game but with stuff outside of life i mean i've given i i can't even it sounds this sounds like an nsa nightmare <laughs> but i've given people that i've never met in person my personal cell phones like yo here like if you need something text me call me whatever like i like what like like back like even 10 years ago like if I were to tell that to my parents, they'd be like, uh, uh, <laughs> "What are you doing? Like, are you kidding me?" What like it's mean? just you're gonna give your phone to internet people. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a weird thing to think about. You mean you're gonna go meet that this guy thing. and hope that he doesn't <laughs> wear your face like a mask? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's a very very weird thing to have with regards to this game, just. It's it's become second nature, and, and I, I will always thank Bungie for creating this game because of that experience. I had I have had the best gaming experiences of my life with this game. And like that's why it's one of my favorite games of all time. Like it's weird for me to say that because I come from the background of Nintendo, Super Nintendo, single player games, the occasional Super Mario Kart or Super Bomberman with four people, and mm-hmm. you know, th- then we went to Super Mario Kart sixty four and GoldenEye, and like it still had to be like in person, but like we had, yeah, we had the cash like co op era of exactly. gaming, and then all of a sudden, like this is my real first game where I say like I'm spending a lot of time online, like. I've I've played Call of Duty and multiplayer, but like it never I was never huge into first person shooters. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I came from that background of single player games from Nintendo, and the occasional multiplayer game where we all had to be close together. So it was tough for me to transition from that couch co op multiplayer style to online. It was it was it was always weird, even when I was playing Halo, like. Halo was a lot of fun and I spent a lot of time online, but I still, I didn't add that many people that I I played with online. I didn't, it didn't have that sense of community. And I know Bungie had active online forums, um, but it's like, I still kept it at an arm's length for comfort. Mm. This is the first time I've like gone full on in, like going into the forums, going into the different Facebook pages, going on different things talking to different people just group chatting all the time yeah it's it's really interesting to think about where bungie was at the time of halo and where where they are now like like just talking about bungie.net like i remember in halo 2 actually probably halo 3 the only time i really logged on to bungie was to see what like metal what my metal count was so it's it's evolved so much where you're going in there a lot more often to look at gear what what metals you've acquired uh the the twab clan information there wasn't a need in halo 3 potentially to try and really build a clan or play with a clan because it was all match made and now with 
the the no matchmaking in Destiny One and, and changing that over to the guided games in Destiny Two. I think it's going to be very very interesting to see what kind of comes of the community and see if it kind of stays uh, stays together moving forward after the launch. Mm-hmm. But I think you're you're absolutely right. Where we've made friendships that are probably going to be potentially lifelong friendships, like 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 you and me, we've played Destiny for a long time. Um, we're, we're in a lot of the same communities, but it's not just we don't just meet up to play Destiny. You know, now we're we're meeting up doing play, going and playing Mario Kart, or eventually Splatoon, or this that or the other thing. And it really all started from what Destiny was. And it's really interesting to think about where it's going to go from here. Yeah, I mean, just yesterday we were having so much fun. Oh, yeah. Freaking baby park, this is all your fault. Anyway, (laughs) um, we were playing Mario Kart till, I don't remember, until my... Until your internet kicked you. My my entire house went down. I was like, oh, yeah, it's convenient. Like, like, you're about to lose, and your internet kicks out. Come on, dude. I was waiting <laughs> all night, and then all of a sudden, like the last lap, I'm gone. Come on. You, you can't put. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you sit down yeah. with that nonsense. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I got it. The, the yeah. wire just ha- jumped out of the port. I get it. I'm about to hit you with a red show. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> No, like, we, we, we've transitioned to other games because of this, and we're talking about all these games, and it's just, it's it's all because of Destiny. And it's mm. weird to, to know that the community has become so close-knit because of stuff like that. Like, there's no other community out there since, I want to say, wow. It's, I'm, I'm probably hyping this community up, but there's there's solid evidence to back this up. I mean, we see it every single day. Yeah. We're talking to people from Australia, from from the UK, from all over the United States. I've I've seen players from India, mm-hmm. from South Africa, just literally around the world. I've played with Japanese people. I've I've gone into I've done a raid where it was in full Spanish, and and yes, I can speak Spanish fluently, but it was quite the 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 shock when like the smallest thing, for example. We're doing Axis, and we have to get the servitors. And he's calling out, you know, vacío a la izquierda, which means literally translated empty on the left. Uh-huh. In Spanish, void servitor would be, like, void would be vacío. I'm like, what? I've, I, I never would have thought that. So, like, like I'm, I'm experiencing something different with, a diff- with the same community, just in, in different in ways. Different ways. It's it's so weird. Yeah, and I think this is really the first game that I've ever actually thought of myself as being this involved with a quote unquote community. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, when I was younger, I played tons of Call of Duty, tons of Halo, but I wouldn't really ever have said, "Hey, I'm part of this community," and that's completely changed with this game. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, so it's been quite a ride so far. So I kind of also want to introduce the community as, as to what your background is, because I know you from, from Fireteam Chat Podcast, the, the Facebook group, 
and also from Cartridge Blast Gamers. So why don't you go ahead and, t- and give people a background about what you what your gaming experience has been like? Well, when I was very young, um, first console was actually the Nintendo. I remember very uh, distinctly playing a lot of Duck Hunt, a lot of Mario. Eventually, got a lot of the games that came with the Nintendo system. Mm-hmm. You know, got Super Nintendo, great, great library, probably one of the best, if not the best gaming console. Um, from there, I don't think I missed a console other than maybe Dreamcast or Sega CD. Uh, had all the PlayStations, had all the Nintendo consoles at one point or another. I have it's really hard for me to kind of look back and say like I played X amount of games because I'm sure just like you, there was a period of time where we could actually rent games from this crazy thing called video stores and blockbuster. Anyone what's that blockbuster? Anyone? Yeah. Blockbuster. I used to have this little, uh, they used to call it lakeside video. Cause I used to, when I grew up, it was around a lake and mm-hmm. uh it was just random video games like you didn't really have much of a choice or much of a selection <laughs> it was like pretty much like one gondola but i would go back in there periodically and pick up whatever game i haven't played and some were good some were really bad but i still <laughs> had those experiences um but yeah when it comes to the consoles um Pretty much, I, I've i had and I've played games on pretty much every single console uh, other than the Sega CD, Sega Saturn, and all that other uh, that, that, that other jazz, as you can say. Mm-hmm. But, um, so nowadays, you know, uh, I'm married, I have a, I have a, he's going to, I have a son that's going to be four next month. And uh, my time's a little bit more limited. Uh, but the great thing about what what Destiny is is that you have the ability to jump in and play a few hours a night. Um, mm-hmm. You can jump in and do a strike. You can jump in and do a raid for an hour or two. Uh, you can jump in and do a crucible. And I think that's the reason why it's kind of grabbed me for as long as it has the entire three years that it's been out. The uh, but from 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 not just looking at destiny um some of the other games and genres i've played i've I've played pretty much every single call of duty at least a campaign uh all the halos all the gears of war um a few final fantasies here and there um i'm sure i can go on and on um right now i'm currently jumping in and out of overwatch i've tried and start dishonored 2 probably about three times at this point but i keep getting pulled away most of the times by destiny um but mario kart as we talked about so i've 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 dabbled in a lot um but again with um limited time now with uh, having the family, it's pretty much my gaming addi- addiction it takes mm-hmm. over my uh, ability to sleep. And I'm okay with that um, because as my college professors always used to say, I can sleep when I'm dead. So, right. <laughs> so my question to you is what was, uh, what were the genres that you, 
you mostly gravitated to uh, while growing up? Hmm. See, it's really weird because I remember playing a lot when I was younger with uh, the Nintendo consoles. I, I played, you know, a lot of Sonic, a lot of Super Mario. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, probably, I want to say after 64 and PlayStation 1 came out, I, I kind of came off gaming for a little while. Like I skipped mm-hmm. and, and really passed up the God of War games. I remember on PS2 and I actually went back and played those games, but there was definitely a period of time and it was probably my, my uh, young teenage years chasing, chasing all the teenage girls. But um, <laughs> there's there definitely a time I dropped off. And then the next thing that really grabbed me and pulled me in was uh, call of duty and halo. And at that time, my brother, my youngest brother, we were sharing an Xbox 360 and that lasted about a hot minute uh, because then I went, ran out, saved up my money, got a 360 for myself, and then we didn't have to share anymore. And, and that's when I realized that gaming's changed <laughs> and, you know, you, you, you have your own systems and, and you have this whole online infrastructure that could really connect in an instant and, and host different games and, and different content online and party chats and all this amazing stuff. And, and that's really where I feel like I became um, a lot more interested in what was going on in the gaming world. Uh, not just from like what games were coming out or what games I liked, but the actual business side of it, the uh, the news side of it. it. It was one of those things where even probably even as as far as, you know, this year all the way probably through for three or four or five years ago, it was always me p- pulling out my phone and checking what's on IGN, what what's on my feed for Facebook. Um, so it's not just a matter of of wanting to play the games and playing as many games as I can, but it's really I've taken to the idea of just having knowledge about games because I feel like the actual business side of it and the uh, the different communities within it are sometimes a lot more interesting than some of the games that even come out. Um, and, and it's not just Destiny. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, the main reason I brought that up was um, I kind of wanted to see, like, what made you eventually gravitate to Destiny? Um, was it the... Was it Bungie and their experience with Halo? Or, like what? What was the big thing that turned you on to Destiny? I think that was part of it. The beginning. You look at what they did with Halo and how special Halo was, and I remember playing Reach and being like, "Well, I guess this is the end of Halo, or at least that's what we thought at the time." Before they pretty much put three, four, three together and made them the Halo Studio, mm-hmm. and you started seeing some of the leaked screenshots and they started making a lot of these promises about this open world and all this content that we were going to get and this interconnected um, social spaces and, and patrols. And I was like, this sounds like something I can actually sink my teeth into. Um, 
and and I remember going in and expecting like this big open like space opera. And obviously we didn't really get that in Destiny 1. But the <laughs> gunplay and the mechanics is really what kept me there. Because um, it's a bungee game. It's a bungee shooter. And those, to me, are pretty unrivaled when you're looking at what the shooter space is and what everybody else is doing um, from a video game development and the first-person shooter genre. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So, cool. Um, no, I, I mean that, that's that's a that's a good explanation. I, I think a lot of people definitely came over to Destiny um, simply because of the name Bungie. Mm. I, I I think it's safe to say Activision knew just having the name Bungie was going to sell at least two million copies. Yeah. I don't think that in their wildest dreams they ever expected this game to be the billion seller that it is. Where that game. Call of Duty and I think it's Skylanders are the only three billion dollar mm. um, franchises that Activision has. So, uh, so the amount of growth that this game had and the amount of potential it has in the future is just enormous. Yeah, and I, I'm always interested when I, when I see that people come into this game, what their background is, like what led them to eventually come to this game. Because for me. You look at my background with my, with games. I started Super Mario Brothers with Duck Hunt. Went played a whole bunch of Nintendo games made by Nintendo. Ninja Turtles went to the Super Nintendo sixty four. It wasn't until later on into the PlayStation's life that I got the PlayStation. I got the Dreamcast. That was my first Sega system that I, I've owned. If you're not counting Game mm-hmm. Gear, so like oh, my Game Gear, I completely forgot about that console. <laughs> I had that one though. Uh, I I I I don't even want to count how many consoles I've had. It's just embarrassing. <laughs> but but I, I my my experience has always been with Nintendo. So to go from heavy Nintendo, where it's just you know exploring the world, you know getting power ups, finding all the secret one ups, finding the secret exits, yeah. like in Mario World, to something like this, where yeah, you can definitely explore, but there's not much to explore. Yeah. For example, in Destiny, like I, I, I'm kind of switching the topic a little bit. In Destiny, I keep mentioning it, this on the show. Um, when the beta came out, I remember going along the shores up to the area called the Grottoes, and all the enemies there had at the time question mark for the the, the power level. I get shot twice, I'm dead. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, I can't wait to go back there. And there's nothing yeah. there. So I hope that in this game, Destiny 2, there's a lot more of that there. Like, oh my god, there's question mark enemies. I probably should come back later on. And it seems like we're kind of going to get something mm. like that. Because if we looked at it, um, the Lost Sectors. That's the thing I'm really, really excited. I, I can't even describe how excited I am. And I know that they're only supposed to be, what, 10 to 15 minute dungeons or whatever. But there's so much potential there. It, it almost... It almost reminds me of the Lost of Light mission mm-hmm. where for the for the Black Spindle, where it was a diversion from that from that main mission, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're in this you're like a mini dungeon. You're in the ship. You have to clear it out. And 
Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that. So, like, let me out of everything that's been announced, what's the big thing that's really intrigued you for Destiny? Well, 2? let me. I just want to kind of add it on, add on to uh, what the original question was about, like what kind of kept me with the community, and and, and actually want your opinion on this because there has been some news uh, in regards mm-hmm. to like exotic drop rates with. With, with what really kept me going in year one is obviously that the loot grind. And, and then the other side of it was playing with my friends in, in a situation, doing a strike, playing Crucible, where you can kind of just hang out and chat about your day and not necessarily even focus on what was going on. But um, going back to the loot question, they're saying it's going to be kind of somewhere in the middle from what Destiny 1 was and what Destiny is now. What what mm-hmm. are kind of your thoughts on that? Because to me, Destiny Year One was definitely that 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 hunt for a certain exotic because it wasn't given to you. And mm-hmm. you look at where it is now. Like I have a decent amount of the exotics. I don't have every single one, um, like like Jorge does. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, you know, it is one of those things like people were chasing icebreakers, people were chasing hawk moons and galahorns. And I'm curious to see what kind of an effect that you think it might have if they don't have some of those exotics or weapons or loot that eludes people on a, for, for a long period of time. So with regards to that, I don't think it's going to be I don't think it's going to be that much of a problem going forward with regards to having a specific weapon. And the reason I say that is this, we all know that in year 1 everything had a large health pool. I mean, we we spent hours trying to take down Valus to Arc's life even on solar. Yeah. Burn. So <laughs> So hide behind the stairs. Right. So they tuned down the health bars and especially with this past update, um, the Age of Triumph update, they changed the health bar for Crota. So you could theoretically take them down with nothing but primaries, kind of like you do the uh, Thalanon mm. uh, enemy in the Court of Oryx. Yeah. It's, it's preferred that you do it with Galahorn because you could take them down real quick. But now it's not as much of a requirement. And given that you can get Hunger of Crota before you even fight Crota, like the first time you do that raid, like all of a sudden you get Hunger of Crota, you have more, more arsenal, a better arsenal to take out, take on that boss. So I'm not concerned in that regard with regards to the future of there being weapons that are exclusively viable that are the actually i'll go ahead and say exclusively viable because galahorn was that mm-hmm. weapon um for raids because i i think that bungie has changed their perspective with regards to that i mean even axis where we now use dark drinker even but even before that like a good team could take down axis without any dark drinkers just non-stop shooting mm-hmm. And using the cannons, just doing a lot of damage using the sniper rifle. So we had pr- a pretty good understanding of how to take down that boss. It just made it a lot easier the second we got Dark Dream. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to have the same problems in year one. 
because they're really focused on what makes this fight the best possible fight, regardless of the weapon you have, or regardless of the abilities that you have. Uh, considering that everything is now going towards more offensive base, even the def- the quote unquote defender, we don't know if it's truly gone or not. But the um, the the sentinel power up for the for the titan, he can create shields and, and defend against you, but then he can just as easily throw that shield like Captain America and take out a couple enemies. Yeah. So I think that we're going to be okay, and there's not going to be an absolute need for a certain weapon. an exotic. I hope that a lot more of the exotics come in the way of quests or side quests or things that, like the lost sectors, a secret lost sector that is, let's say, underground. You just passed over it the entire time. And if you just looked in this one section, it was there the whole time. You started the, like, you go through that lost sector, you get a strange item that opens up a quest that you have to complete a very tough quest to get that exotic and it feels great when you finally have it i think that's the approach that they should take because black spindle was always technically was always there in the game it just had to be active for that day and it was a tough experience but when you got it it was kind of like a trophy but anybody could get that trophy theoretically so i i hope that that's the direction that they go with with regards to exotics i kind of like the 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 randomness at the same time too because you know the first time you got Gallahorn, you screamed like a little girl the first time you got vex class, you screamed so like there's always that excitement and i still think that for example the end raid bosses you kill gary you get a special exotic from that like you have a random chance that's always part of the fun mm-hmm. and adds value to that raid so i think that's very important too i think that the the three of coins kind of ex- like it just nullified the excitement of exotics. Yeah. At the same time, too, there it was a one-two combo with with the with the three of coins. You had too many exotics that you got, and then you had exotics that just didn't do much. Like for example, the hereafter sniper rifle. It's okay. You kill something with with a headshot. It create creates some light and blinds enemies. Yeah. Not all that useful. There's, there's, I, I can't think of too many scenarios where that's useful. Like even in the, the the one scenario I could think of that would be viable was the stills in Crota's End, but that's old content. Yeah. There's, there's nothing in the new content where you're constantly being surrounded by enemies that that would be useful. So I think that there, there's, they need to go back, make these exotics feel powerful yet balanced. And then go from there because it, 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 there, it was always exciting in year one. Oh my God, I got Hawk Moon. Oh my God, I got an Invective. Oh my God, Icebreaker. Oh my God, just like Gallahorn. Just every single week there was an ex- like Thorn. Even uh, when during its heyday, um, uh, not Sleeper Simulant. What is it called? The the fusion rifle. I'm going to get murdered for this. Uh, I'm so going to get murdered for no, not Plan C. The other one that you got from a quest, like you would, you would hold on and would auto shoot everything in the magazine. From, I'm going to get destroyed. From I apologize. <laughs> from from Vogue. Yeah, from year one. Oh, from the quest, like the the uh, from doing the Vanguard bounties, the uh, the yes, Infinity. 
Thank you very much. Oh my god. Wow. Ah, uh, wow. Even that one, like it felt exciting. Like there was a lot of utility for all these different exotics. And in year two, that's when things started going downhill with regards to exotics. I agree. I mean, in year year two, the year one version, the the year two versions of year one exotics were the most powerful. There very rarely was a need to use any year two exotics going forward. Even in year three, like a lot of these exotics, not all that special. That's what my kind of worry is with Destiny 2 is, and Bungie has their work cut out for them. Like they have to make these weapons a viable option so people want to go out and actually grab them and spend time grinding for it. And seeing how powerful year one weapons were they were overpowered but they were something to kind of chase after because they were overpowered like mm-hmm. like for me like zen meteor was in i guess it was year three right that, that yeah 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 uh year yeah. two it was with the april update. yeah so that one eluded me for a while but it really didn't have an effect on what i was doing whether it be pve or pvp or anything mm-hmm. like that but it was something that i just wanted to want but there were mm-hmm. obviously benefits to having things like the galahorn or hawk moon or thorn in the in, in pvp and i i just i worry that bungie has to come up with with an idea or with a plan for these exotic exotics to be sought after because even now, like playing PvP, like I don't really need a specific exotic to go in and play PvP. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's all legendary, other than the icebreaker, but that's because of the ammo issue. So mm-hmm. I feel like they kind of have their work cut out for uh, them with Destiny 2 and exotics and the loot grind. I mean, me personally, what I would do, and then again, I have no proof that this is what they're going to be doing. But we already know that in Destiny 2, every one of the exotics are, are going to have uh, some sort of lore behind it. And you can read about the lore of, let's say, Thorn or whatever. I mean, obviously, we're not going to have Thorn in Year 2. or I'm sorry, Destiny 2. Um, at least not for the foreseeable future. They, they may put it back in later on. But let's, let's just use the example of Thorn. We could read about Thorn, and it takes us on a, like, we got... Let's say that, okay, we're in a lost sector, we get the blueprints for Thorn, or we get a, 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 a the, 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 the dead version of Thorn. It's not active, it's just a dead weapon. That starts a quest, and, and from the quest, we learn about Thorn, we learn about whatever, mm-hmm. and then we finally get Thorn in, in the final, final part. Like, each one of these weapons, these exotics, should have some sort of quest like, let's say, oh, my God, I got Gallahorn. I, I finally have it. And we go through, the like, the quest to power it up to make it it's a special version of Gallahorn. So you could you have a, you have two two versions. Like, you have the version where you start the quest, you finish the quest, all of a sudden you get the exotic. And then there's another version where you get the dead, quote-unquote, dead version of the exotic. And you learn about the story, which may tie into other characters. Like that's the thing I've I've liked about a lot of these exotics, whether they were good or not, or whether they, you know, were useful. A lot of these exotics had very interesting mm-hmm. stories. I mean, this past uh, 
not Age of Triumph, but uh, the Dawning update in December, they introduced uh, the Abaddon and the Nova Mortis, and they went into story about Thunderlord, like Thunderlord. Lord, I can't speak. <laughs> start Thunderlord. Thun- Thunderlord. Thunder. Thunder. Thundercats. Oh. And anyway. We're back into late 1980s right yeah, when did the everybody come just out? uh sometime in the Good 80s so, yeah everybody and everybody who just heard me say that just went full on <laughs> <laughs> but anyway with regards to thunderlord like we we learn about the story of thunderlord it was created by a titan i believe and he used Thunderlord in the final battle on Moon when when they were under siege by Crota, like that, and and they lost the plans to Abaddon and Nova Mortis at that battle. So you're basically reclaiming these pieces through that quest. It's a small, stupid quest, but it's still story that's in the game. That's something interesting to me. Yeah. Like I want, I want things to do that lead to stories so I can learn more about this world that I'm fighting to protect. And that's always cool. Now, I want there to be more of a quest than what we got for Abaddon and Nova Mortis, and I'm pretty sure that they didn't have that much time to really do much for those weapons. But at least there was something there, something, some way to earn them. And that's what I always appreciate about that. So I hope that they go in that direction going forward in Destiny 2 with the occasional random drop from a boss like an end and a giant boss at the end or let's say you complete a one of the, the the lost sectors you have a random chance of getting a rocket launcher exotic just something that that keeps you on your toes gets you gets you like a random loot you're like oh my god i got something like like that that moment is always cool. yeah and, and I, I'm always excited for moments like the, that. The uh, Lost Sectors, I am very excited about, just like you are. And I mm-hmm. feel like it is the easiest thing to get us excited, but then disappoint us. So I'm hoping right. it is exactly what we want and what we're thinking it's going to mm-hmm. be. And it's not just going to be like this quick thing. And then we're going to get some sort of planetary materials or something like that that we feel like we don't need. Right. I mean, from what I'm taking from them, and and again, I may be kind of overblowing them, but it almost feels like you played Horizon Zero Dawn, so you'll get this reference. Love that game. The Corrupted Zone. Sorry. Yes. (laughs) So they they almost feel like the Corrupted Zones. Mm. Like you go and have to clear a a, a zone, and sometimes the zones are rather large and expansive. Every so often, you'll come upon the zone that has uh, that. I forget the name of the Dino uh, Yeah, corruption zone, or more of the cauldrons. No, the the cauldrons. I would I would link more to say strikes, okay. but like the corrupted zones. I would from from what I'm seeing so far, and we have very limited information because right now they just that's all they gave us. But with regards to corrupt the the lost sectors a 10 to 15 minute mini dungeon with a boss at the end. That's almost kind of what I'm getting from, you know, the corrupted zones where I'm, where there are more powerful versions of the normal enemies. And like, for, I don't know if you encountered this, um, 
corrupted zone when you were playing Horizon. Oh, I, I did them all. There's a zone. <laughs> okay. So you remember the one with the, 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 I forget the name of the Dinobot now, but the one that <laughs> the goes underground. Like <laughs> he goes underground yeah, and then he pops guy. up. That bastard. That one. He, he wrecked yeah. my face the first time I came across him. That was the first time I came across that enemy type. I got destroyed. <laughs> Yeah, the, the very first time I ever encountered that enemy type was that yeah. corrupted zone, and I was like, "Oh my god, I got obliterated!" But like, it could be just as small as that, where you fight one large boss that's like obscenely strong. Vandal two point to something where it's more dungeon like, almost like a mini strike, mm -hmm. so to say. So I'm excited for these for the possibility that it could be something bigger. I just I just hope that. I just hope Patrol is really as big and as expansive as they say. I'm I'm a little cons. Again, we, we don't know anything about what the game is like, but they they only mentioned that the the European Dead Zone is about twice as large as the largest Patrol area that we have in Destiny mm -hmm. One, which I'm assuming they would be talking about Cosmodrome because that's the. I mean, it is pretty big. But if it's only two times that size, like I'm trying to think of how much content you could fit in there before you kind of do the Destiny 1 yeah. thing where your strikes are going through areas that you can get in, on patrol. And I hope that a lot of more, more of the strikes kind of take the root of um, the, the strike from Rise of Iron, uh, the Wretched Eye, where you can go to the, the first two areas... You can go on patrol, but once that big door opens up, all of that is strictly strike yeah. area. I want to see more of that, where it's just strictly strike area. You cannot access that on regular patrol. If you want to go there, you have to do the strike. I kind of like having strikes be like the dungeons, like its own little yeah. thing. And the interesting thing about the European Dead Zone... Um, we talked about this on the Cartridge Blast podcast. It was probably your last week mm -hmm. or the week before that. Jason Schreier had information about pretty much what happened when the story kind of collapsed with Destiny 1. And evidently, and I mm -hmm. feel like, I don't remember if you talked about this last week or not, but the European Dead Zone was actually meant to be for Destiny 1, and it was evidently the best part of Destiny 1. And they scrapped it or they or they changed it or they pulled it out as they got closer to launch. Um, because I guess of everything that happened, and now I guess they're revamping it and putting it out there. So it's gonna be really interesting to see what this area is, how much lore is behind it, and what the moment to moment gameplay is gonna be as you're kind of patrolling this area. Yeah, I, I, I read what you're talking about, and I'm really, really excited for that because I, when, when, when they were like, yo, this is the most exciting thing in Destiny, it's completely different from what you've experienced, and then them to take all of that out, I'm like, oh, jeez, yeah. missed opportunity. <laughs> Shut but thankfully we're getting it, yeah, we're, we're getting it in, and I'm, uh, I'm excited because, I mean, we've seen the European Dead Zone in a couple crucible maps yeah. and when you go there like the uh the first one um widow's court like there's there's not much going on it's it, it, quote unquote call of duty like 
But when you go to the other one, um, the the other European dead zone, it's completely surrounded by at least four catches. There's an uh, there's a battle going on in the background. You're like we're doing crucible in the middle of a war. Sounds zone. like my kind of party. Like, like I, I want to be. I want to know like what's going on. Why is there a war here? Like, why aren't we getting involved in this? Like, I understand that you know we got that big hive god over there in, in in the rings of saturn but like we got this thing right here like why aren't we getting involved here like that's like and i'm hoping that we get a little bit more of that because i mean we already know that there's going to be fallen in the game they confirmed it kind of in the the fire team chat po- uh, the podcast where they d- interviewed luke smith and he's talking about the particle effects from the shanks being blown up so i'm like okay <laughs> we know fallen are in there so I'm excited to see what happens with the Fallen in the European Dead Zone. I'm assuming that we're going to be fighting the Fallen there. Um, yeah, I, I just I'm really excited for the for the concept that is the European Dead Zone. What that means for us, like retaking that land and and just all the different things from Patrol. I, I think I'm most excited for Patrol. I'm really excited for the story. Don't get me wrong, and and all the different planets. But from what I've seen so far with regards to the planets, it's a lot more of what we've seen before. It's, we've seen Venus. It's yeah. kind of same with with this with Nessus. So I'm I'm not I'm not poo pooing it. I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm going in with an open mind. But I'm more excited over that European dead zone because if we think about it, they've had at least three years to let this European dead zone marinate and. Yeah. Build it up and make it even more. Special. It better be special. Oh. Better go in there and just be chaos everywhere, dude. I'm a fan of chaos. I I'm. I just want to get surrounded by like, like, fifty legions of captains with vandals and and dregs, and then like seven, <laughs> seven kells just like looking at me. I'm like, I yeah, got exactly. this. Hit the fist bump emo and you just go to town. Exactly. Like go go fist of havoc like Zavala. I got this. Freaking roaming supers now, so you can do that. Oh, yo, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so excited over fist of havoc, and and we've already have it. But I just want to like pow, and then to see him charge at somebody and like oh shoulder charge, see. you're dead. Da, 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 da. Void Walker for life over I, here. I, I can already wants roaming Nova bombs. <laughs> I just want to spray purple rain everywhere. Yo, I'm. You know what I'm hoping for with regards to Nova Bomb? I hope he can turn that sucker into a Kamehameha <laughs> wave. That you can actually turn the the the, the wave hole in the world. And have it go after somebody. Just blow What's a up? hole in the world. Just take out everybody. Oh my! You see that raid? That's the entrance over there. No, not anymore. <laughs> it's like you see. You can go now. <laughs> we we got this. Like a whole team of Void Walkers just shoots the Kamehameha wave. At the claw ship, it sounds fine with me. So I don't think that's overpowered at all. You know, I think the Void Walkers need something extra. Just, just saying. <laughs> I'm totally not a warlock. Over, we, we, we still hear yeah, I mean, there's a lot that I'm excited for with with regards to Destiny Two, and I'm just interested interested to see the evolution of the game um, from what we've had in Destiny One. Um, I, 
again, I, I can't wait for September eighth. I'm I'm really really excited. I can't even wait for the the unannounced beta. I mean, we we, we it's been announced, but we don't know when we're gonna get it. And Bungie, Bungie, please. I think it'll be soon. Please. We'll know by three at least. I'm I'm hoping very very soon. But yeah, I, I think. I think we got a good amount of, of stuff talked about there. Uh, is there something else you want to bring? By the way, I will be uh, posting links in the show notes to Cartridge Blast Gamers for their Facebook group. And Twitter. I will also be posting um, their, their Twitter, and my Twitter, their YouTube. So, so make sure that you guys check that out. Um, anything else you want to bring up I, real quick before we add this? I do deadline? just want to talk about the dedicated servers conundrum real quick. Oh, yes. Um, that was in the TWAB. And maybe you can explain it to me better than what I read. Um. So the way it works now is it's currently a peer-to-peer servers, which is not all that dissimilar from our Napster mm-hmm. days where you would download, you know, a uh, file from somebody else's computer you're basically downloading the information from somebody else's uh for example ps4 of what they're doing in this game you're still it's still kind of peer-to-peer with bungee servers so the information gets transmitted to bungee servers you're still having your experience on your own console a pure peer-to-peer system your experience wouldn't be happening on your console so Enemies would be loaded, and whatever happens to that, like that "quote unquote" dedicated server. If let's say something happens to the dedicated server, then your game would go and and play terribly. But if your console is having fine, you're killing enemies, and there's an issue with the dedicated server, your immediate situation won't won't be as mm-hmm. affected. It, it, I honestly don't know, so I, I would be... <laughs> Everything you just said was just I, throwing stuff at the wall. No. <laughs> well, based on what I'm yeah. reading, like the, in fact, I can go ahead and, and, and read exactly what, what's going on. Uh, this was Matt uh, Seeger, the engineering lead on Destiny 2. We've seen a lot of people asking about how networking model works for Destiny 2. Many are concerned by an, our announcement last week that Destiny 2 doesn't have dedicated servers. While that's useful shorthand, the full answer is more complex because Destiny has a unique networking model. Rest assured that we're working, that we're doing a lot of testing right now with players all around the world and working hard to make sure that your experience is going to be smooth on launch day. So every activity in Destiny 2 is hosted on one of their servers. That means you will never again suffer a host migration during your raid attempt or trials match. This differs from Destiny 1, where these hosting duties were performed by player consoles and only script and mission logic ran in the data center. So, like I mentioned, what happens on your console, like you're the host, let's say you're on my fire team, if my console goes down, then that's where issues start happening. So, in this instance for Destiny 2, um, both the mission host and the physics hosts will run in the data center. Um, and with regards to Destiny 2, they're going to be using a hybrid of client-server and peer-to-peer technology. So you still have your experiencing going on in your situation, but you feel uh, like the moving and the shooting is happening flawlessly on your side. 
but the information such as the uh the mission logic and what's going on you know what when you pew what does the pew hit <laughs> like that's all happening on the on, on bungee side so you have a, a mix of things going on i i they it's hard to really understand what this logic is without seeing it in person mm-hmm. a lot of people have experienced for example battlefront with their dedicated servers and how went flawlessly, but that's an expensive, yeah. sometimes not entirely sustainable thing. Whereas if you have something like this, a hybrid system, not only is it going to be cheaper, but in the long run, it's also going to give you, make you feel like things are running smoother on your side. Like what is happening on all six of our consoles in this raid, we see what's happening and it's feeling great. You're not going to have the situation where, like, you shot an acolyte 700 times. He's still standing there not doing anything. You're like, uh, what just happened here? So I think that this this version of dedicated servers has a lot of potential for great experiences, especially with mm. a raid um, and trials. But I, I, I would just be speculating with regards to the technical information. And I, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited to see the game perform as it's supposed yeah. to be. Um, I did want to just kind of jump in on that. And a lot of people were kind of very shocked about the no dedicated servers. And if you look at what mm-hmm. they've been doing with Call of Duty for the last three, four years, uh, pretty much everything mm-hmm. after Call of Duty goes. And I know you and me have talked about this probably at an like nauseam at this point but if you're looking at what activision is doing they made that choice a long time ago that the dedicated servers just weren't worth the financial burden so when people were hoping that destiny 2 was going to have the dedicated servers i was very hesitant to even get kind of excited about it because of what we knew about what they did with call of duty and i'm assuming what they do with Call of Duty is going to be a very similar model to what this is. And, and it's the first time that we're hear, hearing about it because Bungie's actually talking to the community about it. But I have a feeling that they're probably running something very similar behind the scenes with a Call of Duty multiplayer at this point. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I don't have much experience in Call of Duty. Um, I did play Modern Warfare 1, 2, and 3. Very rarely did I play uh, multiplayer, so I, I can't really talk on, mm-hmm. on that. Um, but I, I do know, uh, I mean, a lot of people haven't been, let's just say that, that the online system for Call of Duty hasn't been that yeah. bad. It's gotten so pretty if bad. It's using- <laughs> I feel up? like it's gotten pretty bad lately, but I think that's just because the player base dropping off. Right. I mean, I mean, Destiny had that that experience not too long yeah. ago. So, I mean, the fact that they're going to 4v4 is a direct response, I think, to what happened with regards to Crucible. Final question it's from, kind of like a from me to you, actually, is, is that do you think mm-hmm. the 4v4 is a good idea? And do you think it's going to really, really help out with the connection issues? I think, and I'm not that I'm ignoring your question. But I'm going to refer back to something that was mentioned in that Fireteam Chat podcast uh, mm-hmm. interview with um, 
with the developers where where they said that they developed Midtown specifically for that new PvP mode. And I think that that's a better response to Crucible than having... Like, for example, a lot of people hate, absolutely hate, playing on Pantheon because it's a large, stretched-out map. And yes, you can have six people on each team comfortably, but eventually, like, it all funnels into one section on mm-hmm. each side. And then you have these snipers shooting you down. Whereas if you have, let's say, a map dedicated specifically to control, and it's more um, symmetrical, and, and, and you can see, like, control points are evenly uh, placed and such, I think that that would work out more for a 4v4 game mode than a 6v6. So I think that's where the improvements are going to come into play with regards to the game. It's going to it's still going to stink because some of these game modes like it's fun to go in with six other uh, like six people into say control or clash or whatever and just you know go and have fun with mm-hmm. friends. Um but I think that the 4v4 game mode forced the Bungie developers to um or the destiny developers i should say to kind of look at how they do map placement and and design with regards to their game modes more more so than like a 6v6 game mode would do because a 6v6 game mode you would have to have much larger maps and not that that's always a, a bad thing but sometimes like for example sky shock like that just that that's a map that where you feel like you're going through yeah. Normandy. You're, you're just going to get bombed, and you don't know where where the shot came from. Whereas a game mode that's specifically or a map that's specifically designed for that game mode, that's where you get that 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 fun action. So yeah, Destiny Two so, around the corner. <laughs> I can't wait. There's an. Did you take All vacation right. yet? You take your time off. I already did. I I took those days off from the 8th all the way through my birthday, actually. Well, if I forget, because I'm up in uh, arms with Destiny 2, happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. I'm just trying to get it out there. I don't don't want to forget. (laughs) All right. And with that, we want to thank you all for listening to this week's episode of In Orbit. We're available on a ton of different platforms, so make sure that you all are spreading the word. The best way to do that is to share In Orbit with others. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Overcast for iOS, Downcast for iOS, Google Play Music, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, Podcast. Pretty soon we're going to have YouTube. In fact, by the time this show is up, we'll probably also have that on YouTube. And we're also going to have an RSS feed. Well, we already have that, I should say. Links are available for each of those platforms right on the Mashos Buttons website at www.mashosbuttons.com. Make sure that you stay tuned after the show to hear what's coming next on Mashos Buttons. Make sure to check out all the other shows on the Mashos Buttons network at www.mashosbuttons.com shows to see all of our podcasts. For any questions regarding scheduling, Check mashthosebuttons.com slash schedule for scheduling details. You can check us out on twitter.com slash mtbsite. 
twitter.com slash inorbitpodcast, facebook.com slash buttons, youtube.com slash buttons, and Carmine, where can people find you at? You can find me at CarmineJ on Twitter. Uh, you can also hit us up on the handle of at Cartridge Blast Gamers on Twitter. Our YouTube channel is just pretty much search Cartridge Blast Gamers and it will show up and you can see our content. Uh, we do Let's Plays. We have our podcast every single week and the three topics from the podcast actually get put up on video versions on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. But also check out the Facebook group. I'm pretty active on it because I'm active on all the Facebook groups that I have and, and that me and Jorge overlook. So that's the best way to kind of reach out is probably reach out to me on Facebook. So. Yep. And on Facebook, just search cartridge blast gamers and the original site, the one, the only fire team chat podcast, the fan group search that out on Facebook. Join. We'd be happy to I have really want to get to 9,000. I have a ton of 9,000 memes ready to go, like over th- over 9,000. There's just going to be a ton of Vegeta that day. <laughs> and as always, you can always find me on all the network sites and gaming platforms via my screen name, GoToNRG. That's G-O, the number two, NRG. Make sure to contact us with any questions to inorbitpodcast at gmail.com or drop us a tweet at twitter.com slash inorbitpodcast. My prior events are not a memory. It is momentum. It advances, leads, and controls. Points and directs. Shapes and forms. I may not enjoy everything that lies in front of me, but as in any story, the past needs resolution. We are the authors. The finishers are our fate. What is in my past is my prologue, and what is in my future is my destiny. On behalf of the entire InOrbit team, David, Jordan, Jarrett, and myself, and this week, Carmine, we thank you for listening to our show, and as always, we'll see you on the next mission. Your Destiny Call.